Welcome back to Ready, Set, Scale, a ScanSource podcast series focused on how to buy, sell, and use technology solutions in different markets. In today's episode, we'll speak with Lisa Pappenfuss, marketing instructor at Greenville Technical College. Thank you to our education vertical sponsors, Cisco, Hanwha, Jabra, Microsoft, Poly, and Tyco Exec. Stay tuned to learn more about how these sponsors can help you discover new opportunities in education. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, of course. So, can you get us started by just giving us a little bit more background? I know um, you're the marketing instructor at Greenville Tech, but what does that really mean? What do you focus on and kind of what's brought you here today? Okay, great. Well, actually, I'm just finishing my 11th year of teaching and I teach in marketing and also in brand communications. So I'm full-time here at Greenville Technical College. And then I also teach from time to time, part-time over at Clemson. I have not always taught in my career. I actually started my career in advertising and I worked in advertising for a while. And one of the things that I realized pretty early in my career was that while my college professors did an awesome job of teaching me definitions, they never really taught me how to apply those. And so after working in the advertising and marketing field, I actually went back to school, got my master's degree and decided to kind of correct that for future marketing majors and try to find ways to share my business world experience. And so that's what I do in the classroom. We talk about concepts, we introduce those concepts, and then we talk about how to apply them. And I think it helps students kind of retain that information more. And so today, I think we're going to talk more about e-learning and how things have changed over the last year, thanks to COVID. Yes. Well, wonderful. Well, speaking of e-learning, if you had to choose one trend that you would have seen benefit students since e-learning became a staple in classrooms all over the world, what would that be? Well, this one, and I've and I have really thought about this a lot since we started e-learning last March. There's been so much negative news lately about e-learning. We we hear all of this kind of negative stories and and people complaining about what's going on in the classroom. And personally, I think a lot of that, and obviously I'm a little biased since I'm an instructor, but I think a lot of that comes from how much the student is willing to dedicate to learning, not playing video games, not using social media while they're trying to go through e-learning. So right now I'm teaching my classes virtually, and I think the students are honestly relieved to have an option that's not purely online, where they're left 100% on their own to figure out what needs to happen. We are interacting with each other in a live classroom, even though it's virtual, we're not in a face-to-face setting, but we're all together. And the students like the flexibility. I think that's been one of the biggest benefits in e-learning is the flexibility of being able to take a class from wherever they want to. This past semester, we just finished it up uh, this week, but I had a student who is deployed in the military. She is in the Middle East right now. She's stationed. And offering classes virtually was great for her because she didn't want to be in a purely online environment. So she would stay up late at night and she would join us for our 935 classes. I have another student who's in El Paso, Texas. Again, wanted that virtual experience where they could be in the classroom with other students 
And so I think really e-learning has brought that flexibility to students who might not want to be in a classroom or might not be able to be in a classroom, but they still want that interaction with an instructor and with other students in an environment, in a learning environment. Sure. So I'm just curious, because you had mentioned students kind of all over the country that are joining this. Do you ever have to adapt your instructional time to be able to engage with them? Or is it a pretty kind of set schedule? For me, it's a fixed schedule. We offer, you know, I have my classes set for certain times because most of my students are here, but we do have students in other parts of the country. And as I said, you know, I've got a, a military service person right now in another part of the world. But I do know that some of my coworkers have some flexibility where they might do not virtual classes, but they do virtual office hours. So they'll offer different times throughout the day, each day of the week. So they might do Monday afternoon and Tuesday morning and Wednesday evening and Thursday late afternoon to give that flexibility. Because it's not just thinking about different time zones. Some of our students might work third shift. So they're working 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. They're getting off work and usually they want to go straight to sleep before they have to get up later in the day. Having different times that things are available really helps. I've also done some things where we have recorded some lectures. So if the students aren't able to make the class to physically be in our virtual session, they can go back and watch those sessions later. So you mentioned office hours and having a little bit of flexibility there. So I'd like to dive in a little bit more to help our audience get a broader scope of everything that falls into education and e-learning. So since education has been at the forefront of many conversations for well over a year since this transition began, not only with e-learning strictly, but also this hybrid learning environment, Can you break down your own personal experience with going completely remote and then how communication, not only with your students, but also with your coworkers, for example, maybe during these office hours or off office hours was modified and maybe go into a little bit around the hybrid learning that's been put in place, what those types of protocols look like, really just how that experience has been for you and maybe some of the adjustments that you've made throughout the year to better communicate with your peers and students. Yeah, and we have definitely made a lot of changes. It's it's funny, I was talking just this morning, I was meeting with a student via Zoom this morning, and she was saying, you know, I, I would really rather be in a classroom, but I like the way you've got our classes set. And I said, oh, well, I'd, I'd love to be in a classroom too, but well, and, and I'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, have some thoughts about being in a classroom, but But I said, you know, one of the great things, another thing that I think has come from all this e-learning is we are all learning how to do things in this new world, this kind of, quote, new normal that we have. And I think everything we're doing in the classroom is actually just better preparing our students for being in the business world and being able to function in the business world. So I'll say I'm great one-on-one with people, but I am no technology wizard by any means. And so last year, I guess it was mid-March of 2020, we basically were sent home during the week of spring break and told, you know, we're going to start remote learning for the rest of the semester. We had about six or seven weeks left in the semester. And at the time when we started that, all the classes, I teach five different subjects. 
And all the classes that I taught were set for an in-person, a face-to-face, or a hybrid, or a purely online environment, with the exception of one. And so when we think about those different environments, so face-to-face is typically we're either meeting twice a week for an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes, or we might meet once a week for two and a half hours. In a hybrid environment, usually what happens is we only meet once a week, and then our second class meeting, it's some sort of online component. So it could be an assignment or it could be an actual meeting online, but the students wouldn't have to be in a physical classroom. And so I was already, from from that standpoint, I was already pretty much ready to go with everything. So that transition to e-learning was fairly easy for me in the sense of setting up the coursework for the classes. But one of the things I found last spring, and it's carried over into the fall of 2020 and spring of 2021, but particularly last spring, we had so many unknowns going on. We had, you know, we were all wondering how long is this going to happen? We thought maybe a couple of months and we'd be back to normal. And obviously that hasn't happened. Am I going to get COVID? Is this kind of our new normal? Is this how things are going to work? And all these unknowns that are such scary things for each of us. And so what I found was I was spending more time kind of cheering my students onto the finish line. Like, we've got this. You can do this. I know you can do it. And I think they just wanted to know that ultimately everything was going to be okay. And I was the person they were turning to. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was that source of confirmation for students. And, and I love being their cheerleader in the classroom. So that, that was fine. But my weekly communications with them in spring of 2020 Instead of the weekly, hey, hope everybody had a great week. Here's what we've got coming up for next week. And so it was just like a quick list of everything that we were doing for the next week. They became more frequent communications two to three times a week, just checking in on you guys, want to make sure everything's okay. Uh, please join me online. I'd love to see your faces, different things like that. And I started to focus more on finding a way to finish the semester the spring of 2020 on a positive note, rather than focusing so much on what was due, because we were all walking around with, you know, just shrugging, thinking, what is going on here? And so then we got into the, I mean, and everything went online. Uh, We were advising new students. We went through new student orientation completely virtually last summer. uh, I was probably a coworker and myself led our advising team for our division. And we were probably working. I mean, we worked every day on that, running multiple sessions to get new students oriented to this kind of new environment. And then for fall and spring of 2020, 2021, I moved all of my face-to-face classes to virtual delivery. I personally have health concerns. I've got type 1 diabetes, and I didn't know what would happen if I got COVID. It was a little scary for me. And also importantly, we have physical space needs, you know, for social distancing in our classrooms. And most of the classes that I teach each semester fill with 25 students. And so if I were to say, okay, well, I'm going to do everything in person, most of our classrooms here on campus hold eight to 12 students with social distancing requirements. So that would mean that I could only teach a third to maybe half of the students I wanted to teach. 
for example, in this past spring that we just finished, I had to hold my capstone marketing class. We offered it in a virtual format. If I had been teaching that class on campus, I could have only had 12 students in that class. Well, I had 26 in a virtual format, and 24 of those students are graduating this Friday. So if I had not offered that in a virtual format, we wouldn't have been able to physically accommodate those students, which would have taken additional time for them to complete their degrees. So again, going back to that flexible word, which is something that I teach all my intro to marketing students, you got to be flexible if you're going to be in marketing or business. That gave us that flexibility to make that happen. So I guess addressing communication, uh, one of the tools that we use quite frequently is Zoom. And I use it for everything from classes to advising sessions and meetings with students, meetings with coworkers. I'm on two hiring committees right now. And one of those we are doing completely via Zoom, which is going to be interesting. We start interviews next week. I'd rather be in a classroom with my students. I love seeing their faces and watching the light bulbs come on in their eyes. But I don't ask them to turn their cameras on with Zoom because a lot of them are taking, they're doing their classes from home. And to me, that's a personal environment. And I don't want them to have to share their home environment if they don't want to. So I just think in today's environment, what we're doing with e-learning has been the best thing for me, but it's also been the best thing for my students to allow as many students as possible into each class. And I work so hard (laughs) to keep them engaged. A couple of my friends have said to me over the last few months, your job is so easy. You just, you're just online. You don't even have to worry about it. And I am honestly physically exhausted at the end of each day, just trying to find ways to make sure students are getting as much as they can out of the classroom. And so it's been a change, but I think ultimately it will be a positive change. I don't see that we're going to go back to that traditional setting for a while. And I think this has been a good experience overall. And we've tried to make, you know, we've made the best of it. Again, I'd love to be in a classroom, but right now this is where we need to be to protect everyone as much as we can. Well, and you know, that's an interesting perspective that I don't feel like we hear as much when we do talk about going you know, remote, going virtual, or even in a hybrid environment is the opportunity to expand the audience and expand the engagement. So I'm glad you touched on that because I do think that is something for our listeners to consider is that not only with more people being able to learn, but that also could potentially open the opportunity for more sales on devices that are utilized to make sure that that's a positive experience, as well as really examining the types of platforms that you're using and making sure that they are built to expand. So that's that's something I haven't heard very often. So I appreciate you sharing that thought with us. Well, it is important. I mean, I do think, yeah, definitely being able to expand that audience because this fall I'll be back in the classroom on some days, but I've got, you know, again, my capstone class, it's already at capacity if I were in a classroom situation and we're only on May 4th. I still have three and a half months to get students in that class. So I will be shocked if we don't have closer to 30 in there. So that and one other class will be virtual again in the fall. And then I'm hopeful that by spring of 20. 
22, we can be back in a classroom without such space limitations. And hopefully that'll change, but we'll find out in the future. (laughs) I feel like that's been the the phrase of 2021 (laughs) is, well, we'll see what happens this year. So we're positive. Well, good. Well, in your opinion, do you think that there has been a greater struggle with e-learning among the K-12 educators and students, or do you think more on the collegiate level between educators and students? That's an interesting question. I actually don't have any children other than the ones that are in my classroom every semester. (laughs) I tell them they're all mine for the semester, and then we send them away. But I have thought so many times over the last few months, I just can't imagine what parents are going through who have younger children, particularly elementary school age children. You're having to make a tough choice because you obviously need to work, but obviously your children are always going to be the first choice. You have to care for them first. And I think that that has been a struggle. I don't think parents always realize how much work goes into a class for a teacher. And I'm speaking for K through 12 students here. And I think that what's happened since last March has been very eye-opening for a lot of parents. And I'm very hopeful that teachers, particularly K through 12, will finally be recognized with some higher salaries for all of their efforts. You know, everything they do to try to help our young people become great people in our community. So I think one of the issues, personally, I think the struggle has probably been greater for K through 12 than for college students for a few reasons. I think younger students are easily distracted. And if you are in a physical classroom with an instructor, with a teacher, that can hold their attention a lot more. The teacher is in front of them. They can review the material. They're holding that attention, talking about upcoming assignments, answering questions, disciplining as needed. Hey, Lisa, stop talking so much. But I also think just watching my niece, we have a niece, she's 19, and watching her grow up, I know for her, well, and definitely for most people, having a set schedule and a routine is usually pretty beneficial, but I think it's particularly beneficial for younger students. And I know I I saw that with my niece as she was growing up, having that set schedule every day. And so I think while e-learning has provided a lot of flexibility to people, it's also made it a whole lot easier to procrastinate because you're not in a physical classroom with someone who's constantly reminding you, here's what's coming up, here's when it's due, here's what we have on the schedule. But I do think as, and I guess it's just maybe it's me thinking about how we all take responsibility as we get older, as we mature, we know what we need to do to be successful. And that's why I think we've had a better result with college students in this e-learning environment. I know many college students have taken at least one online course at some point. So they were already used to an online environment before we started this e-learning situation. With K through 12, that's not how it was. We went to school every year. You got up, you got dressed, you went to school. But college students in the past, and particularly in recent years, have had the opportunity to take online classes. So they were already somewhat familiar with moving to that e-learning remote experience. And I think that was a much easier transition for college kids than the K through 12. I can imagine. I actually, I can't even imagine um, (laughs) what that is like. 
I don't know if you were able to hear it, but I, just having a dog at home with me <laughs> trying to feed on a call for 30 minutes is a challenge. So I can't imagine trying to keep attention of the attention of 30 plus people at one time throughout the day. So I did not hear your dog, but I know that my dog, his name is Baxter. He made friends with everybody that I have spoken to via via the internet over the last year. He has definitely become a superstar in all my classrooms. So (laughs) (laughs) which you know in a way I will say too with um more remote learning, while you mentioned, you know, you don't have to put on your camera if you're not comfortable because it is your personal Mm -hmm. environment. On the flip side of that, it is kind of nice in certain ways that you can have the option to let people see more of your own personality and your own kind of lifestyle. So things like having a dog, if that's something that's really important to you, it's nice that you can kind of involve them in the conversation and and bring them into the daily experience for something a little bit different. Personally, as a teacher, you know, for years, I've just finished my 11th year. I think some students understand that, yes, I'm a person just like you, but I think some students think, oh, I can't, I can't talk to her. I can't ask her questions. And I don't know why, because I could talk to the wall all day and be totally happy with it. But I think that that has made us all, it does, you're right. It shows that personal side and it shows that you are human, you're capable of all these emotions. And so it's been really interesting, actually, at the, on my Monday night classes this past fall, I would do those at home instead of being at school. And I, at the end of every week, students would turn their cameras on and show me their dogs. <laughs> and, yeah. and my dog was always looking at their thing like, what is, what is going on? I see puppy dogs. I don't understand. So it was, you know, it is a good way to connect on a different level with people because you're, you're able to do things that you, I, I couldn't bring Baxter to school. But so, you know, they get to see that side of me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So you had mentioned a little bit ago that if things go back to in-person learning, that there will probably be a little bit of an adjustment to try to accommodate just what education looks like now for students. So going to more in-person learning, what does your classroom kind of look like? Like, do you have or do you plan to have different technologies that will help kind of communicate with those that are still working or uh, studying remotely? Or what will that really look like? So I'm going to answer that question on two different ways. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. And then I'm going to tell you what one of my coworkers is doing for fall. This fall, I'm going to offer face-to-face again Right now, we are limited in our classrooms. I think I said earlier, it's about eight to 12 students per classroom. But this fall, we'll be able to have up to 18 students, depending on the particular classroom. So I'm going to do that again. I'll still offer some virtual classes for those courses that tend to fill very quickly. Maybe we only offer one section a semester. And so I want to be able to accommodate all those students that I can And so virtual is going to be the best way for me to do that due to our, you know, having our social distancing, our our physical space limitations. And I'm really excited to be back in the classroom. I miss being there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing some faces up close and in person again. Well, six feet at least. But, um, you know, I hope everyone continues doing what we need to do, practicing those safety precautions of wearing masks and washing hands. (laughs) 
I don't know about you, but that was so shocking to me that we had to be told to wash our hands. I don't know who's been doing, who hasn't been doing that, but, (laughs) and you know, then again, if we have to go back to e-learning, I'm totally prepared just like I was last spring to make that, to make that jump. I've thought so many times my dad used to say to me, you know, Lisa, it's going to work out one way or the other, and it might not be the way you thought it was going to work out, but it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And so he always taught me to have a backup plan for everything. And I seriously have a backup plan for everything. And so I think I'm, I'm prepared for that. And so I'll still be offering a, a variety of options from virtual to purely online to, to some face-to-face. I do have a coworker who isn't taking the leap and they're going to do classes that are in person, but if you would like to join virtually, you can. I've decided I'm going to see how that works out for that instructor and then maybe get some feedback for spring. To me, on the instructor side, there's a lot of coordination that goes on with that because of the way we have to track attendance and different things like that. But I do think, again, going back to that flexibility word, it gives students that flexibility. Maybe their children are in school only certain days of the week, so they can come and be in a physical classroom and their child's in class, and and then maybe they want to take the second class meeting each week at home virtually because maybe their child's home doing their virtual school. So that is a new option we're trying. We're seeing some, I think we've got a couple of classrooms right now set up that will be able to do that where we can offer that option. You're signed up for a class. Technically, it's a face-to-face class, but you have the option to join virtually if you would prefer. Okay, great. And and I love that you guys are exploring different options as well and not just saying it has to be one way or the other, because like you mentioned, I mean, it's not only a person that's trying to take the classes, but everything else that is a trickle effect that they have to deal with as well to make sure that that it works for their schedule and their responsibilities in life. So exactly. This has been a lot of great information today. So Lisa, thank you so much again for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Just to kind of leave them with one more thought, given your background, how are educators marketing this new form of teaching to students to gain continued interest in earning a degree? Well, I think as with most things in life, you're always going to have people who are very motivated and you're going to have people who are just getting by and they're totally fine with just getting by in life. But as a marketing instructor, one of the things we talk about in class is how today's consumer wants choices and they want to feel like an individual. They don't want to feel like part of a crowd, part of the masses. They want to know that they are an individual and their needs and their wants are heard. And so when I talk to a new student or even a returning student, I always ask, what class format do you prefer? What works with your needs? You know, being face to face, having a hybrid, doing this synchronous virtual offering or being purely online. And what I found is that most students are really happy with having choices. And so we can find classes that meet their preferences. And I think that's probably the most important way to market to today's students is letting them know that we have so many flexible options that can help them reach their goals and hopefully attain their dreams. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today on Ready, Set, Scale and for sharing your firsthand experience 
around e-learning and what processes and structures we can expect from the education vertical in the future. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Lauren. And now a message from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco, Hanwha, Jabra, Microsoft, Poly, and Tyco Exact. Over the last year, education systems changed and adapted, switching from in-school teaching to remote and hybrid options. Now, as many students begin returning to their classrooms, new processes and technologies are required, especially in places where hybrid classes will continue. With the many changes in the education industry, we at ScanSource know that it's imperative to have available resources and the necessary solutions to support students and staff. Check out all the solutions you need and more at www.scansource.com backslash education program. I really hope you enjoyed spending time with us today. Be sure to join us again for our next episode of Ready, Set, Scale. And in the meantime, let us know if you have any questions or any suggestions for future podcast topics by going to scansource.com backslash RSS question. I'd love to hear from you.